Hey, it's Rochelle and Carter, and this is Anything But Quiet Time Podcast. Did you hear that we have a new theme song? We do? Yeah. A new theme song? Yeah, brand new. You want to hear it right now? Why is it that we... Okay, so I know you're setting me up for something because why would... Anything But Quiet Time Podcast! What is that supposed to sound like? The theme song. Didn't you hear it? No. I did. You like model it after no, a song that no. already is known. Well, it's more. It's more of a genre. It was kind of nineties sitcom. Nineties sitcom was the was the inspiration. Felt like it should like okay okay. Anything but quiet on podcast. I can't believe it's not a podcast. See now you're you're on to the nineties again. Say I like, it like it. Fabio. I I can't, can't believe it's not a podcast. That you obviously. I am so much older than you are. You have no idea what he sounds like. That was terrible, Fabio. Okay, I'm I'm so sorry. I feel like we're losing our track here. Um, listen, let's get back on track with what we're going through spiritually. This is an audible form of a quiet time. Do I owe you an apology for throwing you under the bus for the terrible impression of Fabio? You owe me an apology. I apologize. Every day of throwing me under the Christian bus. <laughs> you know about you like like this. This is what happens on the show. This I feel what like on the I'm show. trying to save your life though. So I'll say something While like this. Throwing you under the bus. You'll you'll know what to do because I'll say something like this. Okay. You know, to let's say a contestant that's playing a game on KSBJ, and I'll mm-hmm. say, "Well, good luck." And then Rochelle says, "I don't believe in luck." Yeah, yeah. I believe uh-huh. that yeah. God pays attention to every detail of life. You know, it's, and therefore ordains our footsteps. You know, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I was about ten years old. Because this is where people are to, on two different wavelengths. Okay. I don't think any Christian that says good luck actually means what they're saying. Probably nowadays that would be accurate. It's just an expression, right? Sure. They, it means I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm fortunate. Uh, or if you say I'm lucky, that is. Mm-hmm. Like I was about to say, I was an older man at my church, and he was asking me about, so you play baseball, huh? Yeah. And he was like, I hear you pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know. I, and I was just trying not to brag on myself, honestly. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just lucky. And I meant fortunate. And yeah, he, I'm blessed. And he goes, "Yeah, you are not lucky. That is from God." Yeah. And I was like, "I know. I didn't. Okay, never mind." Yeah. It well, honestly, it, because that word to him had different baggage. It was connotation. It? Yeah. Yeah. Different and culture and environment and conditioning dictates what that def- definition is going to be for you. So if you're a couple of decades before Carter, it's going to mean something different than a couple of decades even after you. My generation, I believe, I don't think anybody believes in luck. Yeah. I don't think anybody, like nobody thinks, oh, well, you were the luck of the draw. No, it just means, oh, it happened, you know, and I'm, and I'm thankful it did. We're told in the Bible to be very careful about our words, that yeah. our words have power. The word that has all the power is the word that was made manifest through Jesus Christ. John 1, first chapter of that incredible book, says that the word was made manifest. Now, I want to go on to say just a little bit further that the definition of words has changed significantly throughout the years so that when even you go through the course of word study through, like even the word study of Bible, because the Bible was, I believe, written in the New Testament alone, written in three different languages. Uh-huh. I think that's accurate. Okay. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, I, don't, I don't anticipate tons of Bible scholars going, I will go to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. They're, they're not. We're not the experts. And no. I will assess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, three different languages. And so any one of those languages, when it's translated and trying to find the meaning of what it was. I mean, we do our best. Mm-hmm. And finally, mm-hmm. we just look to the quote, the word God in mm-hmm. Jesus. And and really, uh, we lean on the Holy Spirit to try to help us translate the true meaning of everything we go into. But I just, I think that thought alone 
helps me to kind of, it helps me to not be such a stickler about stuff. Uh, yeah. Like it's really important to try to unpack words and what does it mean? And when they said this thing, what did they really mean? What did Carter, little Carter really mean when he said that? Uh-huh. Because yes, a couple of decades before it may have meant this, but maybe it means something different for him. So I'm not going to be as offended and vice versa for the old guy who bothered you. Well, what did that mean? Why did that bother him so much? Oh, well, back in the day, it had this meaning or whatever. You know what I mean? What I would tell my students when I helped out with high school ministry, um, I am—I don't believe that wearing a hat in church is a big deal. And, uh, and in fact, uh, I told him a couple of different stories of how, you know, the older generation didn't really care for that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I said, if that happened now, mm-hmm. I would feel like saying something, but I think the proper thing to do is to go, Oh, you know, I didn't know this offended you. I will gladly remove my hat. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you you're wrong. It just means that you're handling it the right way. I think that's brilliant. I think it's really important to recognize sensitivities in other people. And if there's any way that you can cross bridges without burning them and love on people where they're at, that doesn't mean that you're saying, well, oh, I was wrong all these years and you're right. It's just saying, no, I'm going to humble myself in this moment. I recognize this bothers them. And maybe, maybe they'll let their guard down with me and we can actually have a real conversation Mm. because they're not being put off by my wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. Or whatever. Very, very good. Uh, Some other good stuff that's happening uh, is uh, stuff Jesus says. (laughs) Always. Um, (laughs) Breaking news. I love your transition. Speaking of bridges, let us go across this one now into what it is that you've been learning in your And now a transition. Um, Mark Mark is what I've been going through a little bit. And uh, there's just three things that I I wanted to, to point out. Book of Mark. Book of Mark. Mark 6 is what this particular thing is in. Okay towards the end, Jesus is walking on water and getting in the boat. Yes. He came close. This is verse 51. He came closer and climbed into the boat with them. And immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment. This is the disciples, right? They're just not getting it over and over again. Because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves, which had happened just a minute ago where he fed the 5,000. And their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. Yeah. That stunned me. We're talking about the disciples, the future saints. Okay. And it gave me great relief that their hearts were even hardened, if you will, to this particular. I don't know why. That's what it says. But they were a lot of times we give um, we make fun of the disciples at this stage because they were just kind of kind of doofy. You know, they don't they don't get it over and over. That word unwilling really, really mm-hmm. shook me. And it gave me great relief over the times that I've chosen sin over God. And yet clearly. The disciples, like 11 of them are in a pretty good place right now. And the fact that they they went through times where they were unwilling to learn lessons made me go, I'm so glad that God still loves me even when I don't choose him. Thank you, God. That there's hope. Sincerely. And that these same men would one day in a not so distant future even lay down their lives for that man that they were unwilling to 100% receive in that moment. Yeah. I think a lot of, yeah. well, they were unwilling why their eyes, maybe they deceived them. He's walking on the water test. It was so much. It was too much to comprehend, too much to fathom. Even after they just witnessed him feeding the 5,000, which that is weird, isn't it? It's like, you just saw it happen. You were the guys who brought the little boy's lunch. 
you knew there were just five loaves of bread and two fish. Mm-hmm. You knew it. Yeah. It was right there in your hand. You give it to Jesus. You knew there wasn't any other food. And now you're passing out bucketfuls. And you, yeah. is it too much of a stretch to think that this same Jesus could walk on the water? But it, it I, I feel like willing to go there. I feel like I, and again, it's hard to, it's, well, it's easy to say I would have done better. But I think if we're, you know, in this similar situation, we would have done similar things. I, I do feel like I would have been shocked that he was walking on water still. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. But then but then when I thought about it, I, I think that I would have remembered the lows and go, well, I guess it makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would think <laughs> that I would. But I don't do that in real life. You think about it. Okay, I'm going through one crisis and God supplies. Mm-hmm. And then I go from, you know, it, frying pan into the fire sometimes in life. Do How am I, I going to get out of this? Do I still not trust God? I know. It's, we do the same thing. Do um, the same thing. And we give the disciples a rough time. <laughs> some, of, some of the, you know, the childlike faith is what, you know, Jesus specifically points to about believing. And so you look at something like the loaves or what I was reading about um, in Mark 7 or Mark 8, somewhere in there, where he is, uh, it's the guy that can't hear. I think he can't hear, see, or speak, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And Jesus rubs mud and mm-hmm. then also it says spit on his tongue mm-hmm. and then he, he he let out a groan he touched the man's uh, ears and let out a groan and then all of a sudden he's you know basically said oh, open up mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and so the childlike faith in these things is like the sunday school comes out and and i think it's good you know to just believe it but then you start thinking about the science behind it and i, I really actually enjoyed taking a second and doing this mm-hmm. i think about how often doctors are looking in somebody's ears or at the, their, their ailment over and over and over. Well, let's try this medicine. Well, let's try this. And Jesus just did it. Yeah. That's the cure right there, just like that, just by touching him. And then the, the bread, uh, the loaves and two fish. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine, you know, being a disciple? Like, All right, here's what we got here. Let's just, let's just take the bread, for example. You got the five loaves. All right, Jesus split that one in half. Now you got four, a half, a half. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where'd we get seven full loaves? Okay, hold on. All right, so we had seven full loaves. Hold on. Where'd, where'd those other four come from? Could you just yeah. imagine it? Because it says it's right before their eyes. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, you know. Your eyes deceive you. You see an illusion from a, a magician when uh-huh. it's not real power. It's an illusion. This was real. It really happened. That's crazy. Yeah. I think they probably lived in a state of wonder for three years. Yeah. Just what's he going to do next? But at the same time, there were moments where obviously they weren't completely intimidated by this Jesus. Because they're walking with him. They're talking with him. They're laughing with him. They're mm-hmm. doing life with him. Just like, you know, you do with your buddies at work or whatever. Right. Uh, but it's just this buddy can walk on water. Wow. Wow. I uh, I thought of this. I think it's just kind of a fun thing. There are parts of Jesus' life we don't hear about, especially, mm-hmm. you know, after 12 until he's about 30. Really, we don't hear much about. Right. And this I'd never thought about. You remember when he sends all the disciples in pairs Yes, they do. And he says, uh, <laughs> anybody who doesn't receive you, you know, I give you the power to heal. Mm-hmm. Anybody who doesn't receive you, shake, shake the, dust the dust off, off of your feet. feet. Yeah. Well, he sent them out in pairs. Yeah. That means that all 12 were by themselves. Well, you know, two and two and two and two were by themselves. Yeah. What was Jesus doing during this? I think he was hanging out with God the Father. Okay. And here's okay. why. He just needed to. I was going to say, he might have got some chill time, man. <laughs> It's cracking up. Maybe Jesus is catching up on Netflix. He could have just pop, you know, put it up. I don't know. It's like when you finally get the kids in the room, you've got their snacks in the bowls. <laughs> uh, they're ready to go at least for the next couple of shows. Yeah, they're good. They're yeah. good. 
That's what true. are you going to do? It's just kind of a fun thought. He was eating some Oreos. That's uh, what he. Well, I he don't could know. have. <laughs> he could do anything, so he could have made Oreos appear. You know what I mean? He's not on time scale. I'm pretty yeah. Except it would have been super healthy, and we would all have been like, oh. I want, I want the healthy Oreos, Lord. You can turn water into wine. Will you make a healthy Oreo? Calorie-free Oreo. <laughs> um, so the last thing that I, I want to bring up um, mm-hmm. is this is a very interesting discussion. I was watching this reality show. There's two characters that are down with God. They yeah. they love God. The first, we'll call her person A. No, her, give her a name. I don't like person A. All right. All right. I'm just going to use her names. Barb. Okay, Barb. All right. Barb. Uh, it says she's spiritual. Is she a nice person? Oh, sure. I just don't want all the Barb's listening to get angry. If oh my goodness! I'm just saying that, we're not stereotyping Barb's. Okay, so Barb says she's spiritual. Barb says she's spiritual. That she believes in God and she prays. She references to praying. Okay, great, right? Yeah, that's the first impression we get of her. But then all of a sudden, here comes Madison. Madison says that she loves Jesus, specifically Jesus. That's awesome. I love it when he gets a shout out. And because everybody's okay with God, it seems like. But Jesus will, you know, separate that a room. Can, yeah, you know? I can. So she says she's down with Jesus and that uh, she, you know, wants to stay pure before marriage. Okay. Well, Barb kind of gives Madison the business. Like, who is Barb in this scenario to her? They're, Why would Madison care what Barb has to share? I think I'm just going to have to say it now. Yeah. This is The Bachelor. Oh, All right. Okay. This is the show, The Bachelor. And this is The Bachelor's mom, Barb. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Madison is one one person on the show. Okay. And so this is, it's the exact scenario where Barb says, I'm spiritual, I believe in God, I've been praying for the person that comes into my son's life. Sure. Well then. Sounds she's like a, a good mom. She's about to meet Madison, so this is going to be a match made in heaven. Maybe. Yeah. Barb tells Madison, um, I I don't agree, you, you seem religious. Oh. I don't agree with the way you live your life. And... I don't think you should push your way of life on other people. And it really stunned me. And not mm-hmm. because of, I don't want to get into all the drama of reality show. Well, what, can I just ask, was yeah. Madison, was she a pushy type person or did she just share this is how I believe? She or? was sticking up for her side of the relationship. Okay. She said to The Bachelor, I don't believe in sex before marriage. And that's the way. And I don't know if I could do this relationship if you do, you know. Okay. So she was just kind of setting up a, a boundary. Was it pretentious? No. Demanding? No. She's just being, this is who I am. But that's the point, though. The world won't see it that way. Okay. Always. And so Barb says that. and and Barb you know, set, says, I think you sound religious. You sound religious. And I'm just sitting here going, here's a person that just said she believed in God. She's choosing who God is. Mm-hmm. It made me wonder, did God create us or are we creating God? Because that's what, when I hear things like that, mm-hmm. it made me... Look, again, let's set aside all that drama of reality show. Yeah. My life where, let's say I have a habit that I enjoy and I just say, well, you know, God loves me anyway. I'll just keep doing it. He won't care. You know, grandpa's, uh, God's not the grandpa that winks off your sin and said, I did it too back in my day. God is God. And I, I did not create him. I need to get in line with him. And so, so much of the world, you know, we talk about being okay with God and being spiritual, but I think that's the point of saying the name of Jesus, yeah. right? Because no, there is a way, truth, life. Jesus said it's him. That's the way. Well, you know, I think, I think God says it's okay to do this. What, if you believe, if you actually believe God's real, then how can you say that? If the word is so clear. 
God is God. It just yeah. makes no sense to me that this is the world that we live in. But again, my my point is not to judge that situation. It's to go, all right, I want to be prepared for anybody I talk to and show yeah. them the way, the truth, of life. But also, I'll do that a little bit on my own. People like a huggy God. Yeah. And he, that's part of him. He right? is a good, good father. Yeah. He absolutely is. But a good, good father it sets boundaries with his children and there's consequences for actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because he knows how the real world works. So as a mom and a dad, uh, my husband and I, when our children do wrong, there has to be discipline. Yeah. We don't enjoy disciplining our children. We don't we don't like it when they mess up. But I also know that if I don't set those boundaries and I don't give the consequences, then he's going to grow up in this false sense of this is how the world is going to be. Right. And I'm going to be able to do whatever I want, get away with whatever I want. Uh, and that's not going to do my child any favors. Well, our Heavenly Father, if he's a good, good father, how yeah. much more so is he going to be like, listen, it's not because I'm just putting out rules for rules sake. I set these in place because this is the best quality of life for you. Exactly. He, My pastor said it this way, you know, when it comes to sin, when it comes to, quote, rules, some people say God put so many rules. No, he's what he's trying to say when he says don't sin, he's like, don't hurt yourself. Yeah. And when he's saying, when the Bible says to do something, it's saying, Come help yourself. Could you imagine if you created a world right now? You were able to create a world of little, little minions, little you know, pe- beings smaller than you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, here's the best situation. Uh, y- y- you don't ever want to get discount toilet paper. Uh, you don't invent four way stops. Those, oh no, those are the worst. And go with a really good dishwashing soap. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're giving he, them- You're the, not going to cut the grease with that other stuff. You're giving them the ways of life that yeah. you know are the best, and then they undermine you and go- They do the exact opposite. Nah, I like this. That's that's the point. God from the beginning is God, and he just knows what's best. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think it's a really interesting. You said, are we creating God? Did he create us, or are we creating him? I mm-hmm. think we do re- invent who he is in our lives because we like to conform into what is comfortable for us. Mm-hmm. So you've heard maybe the phrase, don't put God in a box. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, most of the definitions, most of the names of God that we recognize, even in scripture from Jehovah Jireh, our provider mm-hmm. to Jehovah Rapha. These are names pulled from scripture, by the way, uh, Rapha being our healer. These are who he is in conjunction or in relationship to us. Yeah. His creation. It's not specifically pointing out who he is apart from us because this is all we know. So in a sense, when when we define God, it's just defining him based off of who we know him to be in our lives. How do we get to know someone better, though, apart from who we are with that person? So let me give an example because I don't want to get confusing. Carter, you and Kelsey go on on a date. You're not married yet. You know her in relationship and in context with how you've known her, maybe from, you know, just talking. Here she was there. hot. <laughs> Stay on track oh, with me, sorry. Carter. Okay. So you you meet her, you know as much as you know about her, but then when you sit down and talk with her, you get to find out more about her other relationships. Mm-hmm. You get to to further define who this incredible person is through uh, things that you know about her now in relationship with her mom and her dad and other friends mm-hmm. and this these are my likes and my dislikes. That's how we get to discover. So how yeah. do you get to discover more about God? Spending time with him. Also reading about him and his other relationships in the word of God, his relationship to Abraham, his relationship to Paul the Apostle, these these different other relationships. And it's really important that we venture out apart just from who we know him to be in our lives, see who he is in other people's lives as well, so we can start 
putting more of the pieces together because otherwise I'm co- almost creating an idol mm. with who I worship. Mm. And God says, no, create no graven image. And that, that includes your, whatever you think I am. I am uh, that I am is what he told Moses. Yeah. I'm yeah. the alpha, the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am, I was before anything else was. So you need to do your best to try it out instead of conforming me to what you think I should be conform to me. He says, does that make sense? So yeah, I don't want you to make me something that I'm not. I need you to come along and align yourself with who I am. Well, and it's hard, right? You it know, is hard. if I know, um, let's say a, a friend what? and compared to a friend of a friend. Okay. Right. So let's say I know Rochelle and yeah. I, you know, I know Rochelle's nice and all the qualities about Rochelle. But then if Rochelle tells me about her friend, Susie, yeah. Oh man, Susie's so nice. And Susie's so kind. I just have no context yeah. sometimes. It's so tough. You just go, like you said, you go off of what God has done for you, mm-hmm. but God is the God of all people. So you got to find out, okay, well, I want to find out not only more about him in relationship to myself, but in relationship to others. But I also just want to know him. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? You said it's hard. It is hard apart from the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's like, I'm here. Yeah. I'm your yeah. helper. I'm guiding you every single day. If you're spending time with me, what does that look like? It's talking to me. Yeah. It's praising me along to KSPJ music like we play on the radio. It's 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 having those conversations. It's not leaving me out of anything. Take me along with you to the movie theater because I'm in you. I want to be a part of your life. He is jealous to be a part of your life. That's cool. You know? I, yeah. It really even cool. talks about, it uses the word envy even in scripture. The Holy Spirit is envious, wants to be a part, loves you, desires this relationship with you. And I'm like, man, I hope he feels that. Like, I hope he knows that I, I'm pursuing him. But am I? Am I truly pursuing? That's a good question. I, I want to get to what you have to say. I do want to say I, I had never, this has, been, this has been a big headline with that particular show we referenced earlier, The Bachelor. And I don't think I've ever prayed for a reality show contestant before, but The Bachelor ended up with Madison, the, okay. the Jesus follower. Yeah. And I, I found myself seriously praying of, I hope she influences that family. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily. And I hope she makes decisions based on what's best for both of them and not yeah. just what yeah. the, the TV network is all about. Yeah. And and now they're off the show, right? So it's going to okay. be a somewhat normal relationship, yeah. I would think. But um, I I don't ever recommend. That's a whole other subject. You know, missionary dating. Do you, Should we save people or date people and try to hopefully save them, you know? But this is the situation, and I hope she makes an impact on the whole family. That's really awesome. That'd be a really cool thing. Yeah. So what you going through? Last last podcast, we were talking about um, enabling people, sometimes because we want to give them excuses and stuff like that. I had a really great conversation with my dad, um, and he basically brought up two E words. He said enabling versus empowering. Mm -hmm. Because I never want to make somebody feel, walking away from conversation with me feeling judged feeling less than feeling like, Oh yeah, I am messing up. Mm -hmm. I, I have been excusing myself. I have been this, I have been that. I want them to walk away from a conversation with a Jesus follower, feeling empowered to motivated. I want to live life better because that's what Jesus did. You know, I, yes, he, he recognized the woman at the well. He recognized the fact that she's, yeah, I, I know what you, you've been up to lately. I, I, in fact, the woman went and told all of her friends, come meet this guy who's known everything I've ever done. And yet she was excited for them to meet him. Right. Right. So there is something there, right? It's like, wait, it normally, if somebody knows everything you've ever done and it's considered by the rest of society is shameful. Why would you want everybody else to, Hey, you should feel this way too. Unless there was, she walked away from that conversation 
feeling it empowered mm. to live a different quality of life. And she knew that it would be possible with this guy. There's something different about this guy. You got to meet him. And that's how, you know, I, I won't always be in that place of Holy Spirit. Will you show me how to, to live that quality, to, to live that quality of life, first of all, for, for me, for my family's sake, but also to show others how they could live that life. I don't want them to walk away feeling depressed or judged or any of the other things that many people do feel. Unfortunately, sometimes after talking with people who desperately love Jesus and sincerely are wanting to help, quote, turn others for him, and yet they walk away feeling cruddy yeah, instead of yeah. feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit brings about this sense of there's a better life for you, baby. There's a better way. And it doesn't necessarily happen that way immediately. They may initially walk away feeling cruddy because it's conviction, and sometimes that's not always fun. But um, the, there's that story, that woman at the well. That's that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. She should have walked away feeling just cruddy. And the reason why she showed up at noon to get the water at the well, I'm pretty convinced she went at the hottest point of the day where nobody else would want to go. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard that She before. went at noon. Yeah. It was hot. And that's when Jesus met her because he knew she'd be there. And she, instead of hiding, like she probably was, she went and told everyone. Now, I, I'm not going to, Jesus is always going to say it better than anybody. So I'm going to give myself a break there. But that is kind of the reason that I don't get involved with, with people's stuff like that. I mm-hmm. wait for them to open up to me before I give any sort of recommendation most of the time. Maybe that's the right way to do it. But also we hear stories of like people will lovingly somehow say the perfect words to somebody. Sure. And I just, in today's culture, it scares me. I would never say to somebody, hey, you've been married five times. And then, by the way, the guy you're living living with now is not even your husband. I just feel like that's going to be, she's going to get out her phone. Mm-hmm. She's going to record it. It's going to be on BuzzFeed. Today's show's going to pick it up. Look at this judgmental Christian DJ. Like, yeah. I just like, that's the culture that we live in. So I'm so afraid to say anything. I think those that are not afraid to say anything, I have to check myself on this because there are times where I feel like, oh, like the, the last podcast we were talking about the little uh, child that probably needed to be shown lovingly some discipline. Uh huh. Right. And then you kind of go through these mixed emotions with the the parents and what they're, why would they allow this to happen? And so this, this washing of frustration or judgment or whatever it is that comes up in you, you have to like, all right, Lord, help me work through this. Cause I don't want to be that person. I think um, if we have words with people, if instead of you where you're like, I'm not going to go there unless I feel like I'm supposed to go there. Those of us who may go there, um, it's because we're so desperate for them to know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wasn't desperate. That's interesting. Jesus let people walk away. He let people walk away. And uh, I, I think that's it's really fascinating that we need to recognize that um that if we truly believe in an all-powerful God, that he will place people um, in lives very specifically in positions uh, that, you know, if you're not the one to plant the seed, someone else will. I wouldn't question, though, whether or not you have or haven't, because just living your life next to a person sometimes is planting the seed because they see the Jesus in you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you feel like you should have words with that person, please monitor them, filter them, Question them against God's word. Is this something I should say at this moment? Because God is all about compassion. If he wasn't, he would have blotted out this planet a long time ago. 
And I was even, uh, you know, reminded recently in John 3.16, it talks about God loving the world so much he gave his one and only son. We, we may all know this verse by heart, right? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The second verse is also one of my favorites. It says, for he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm-hmm. So there's this incredible hope. He didn't come to condemn. The following verse after that, 318, I think, then does go on to share. However, if you don't accept him, there will be consequences. Mm. But I think it's really important to know that, I don't know, I make, I'm pulling this statistic out of thin air. I think that most of humanity is not beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. There is a set group of people that probably on this planet are so reprobate, there is no way you can get through to them. But that is such a minute percentage of people, Carter, that the verse John 3, 18 is talking about that those people who are beyond hope is talking in reference to. I think most of the people that Jesus is talking about is the 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 what the 90% of humanity. The harvest is plenty. Yes. Mm-hmm. That he is reaching out with compassion and grace and mercy, and he is wanting them to walk away feeling that my burden is easy and light. This one that you've been carrying around is not the way to live. Yeah. Let me show you the way. And a lot of the times showing them that way is living life right next to them. So they see it with their own eyes. And when they're, when they finally get to a place in life where they recognize I am in need, they'll look to you and say that person, there's something about them that I need. But if you come to them and they they don't know that they're in need, they're just going to find you a nuisance. So let me <laughs> let me uh, we'll ask you about that because okay. you you just said it, but also earlier you were like, can you not trust that God puts people in those people's lives, you know, to to plant seeds and things? So let me just give an example. Let's say you're down at the Ross Dress for Less. I love Ross Dress for Less. You're in line, and somebody so it's a long line, long and, line. And, and but you're next. You've waited the. 25 minutes, you're next. The person in front of you at the cash register, at cash register sure. is yelling at them. Okay. The sign said they were $2 and you're going to charge me $3. Yeah. And of course, originally it was $60, but that's whatever. That's fine. They're going to yell at the cash, cash, you know, employee, cashier. Sure. And you, what you're saying is, mm-hmm. I, I think, because I mean, I would say the same thing. You probably shouldn't get involved unless you need to intervene because of a safety issue. Yeah. Yeah. You probably shouldn't get involved and lecture that yeller. You should trust that there is somebody that actually knows them in their life that can reach them at a calm time. Do you believe in the power of prayer? So what you're saying is to pray right then. You should start praying over that person. Yeah. I need to do a better job of that in my life. Yeah. I do not do a good, good enough job. And I think we can always do better. Um, you start praying for that person. And then your ministry in that moment may be to the, the cash cashier. They've yeah, just absolutely. experienced then, yes, that kind yes. of hate. When you walk up there. And you say, dude, I don't know what happened to them. I was, maybe you even feel vocal. I started praying for them. Maybe mm-hmm. they've had a really rough day. But whatever day they've had, I don't feel like they had the right to take it out on you. And I've been praying for you. I'm so sorry that happened. So but you have no idea what that does. Not only for yeah. the person you just prayed for that walked out the door, but the person behind the cash register. You can see Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave at uh, HopeOnDemand.com. There's a couple of videos with him. And he shared something with me that I, I thought was fantastic. He said, back in the day, I really felt the spirit tugging at my heart a lot of the time 
to say something mm-hmm. like to for to the yeller, for yeah. example, is what yeah. I'm referring to. And I realize now that so often after I opened my big mouth and realized it didn't go well, the spirit was tugging at me to pray, mm-hmm. not to actually get involved and say something. Yeah. And I thought that was so good that you may be feeling something you feel like you know, an injustice is being had right now. Well, Maybe it is just pray. And then speaking to the person who was hurt. You know, when Jesus preached to the crowds of people, they had sought him out and they were waiting for him to speak to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's significant. He also lived life beside people. And I think you would have seen two sides to Jesus. It would have been the same spirit of Jesus. He, d- he didn't change. He wasn't two-faced. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying you would have had different you would have had different experiences because one would have been a conversation, the one-on-one that we can read about in John, the third chapter with Nicodemus, who sought him out mm-hmm. in the cover of night even because he was afraid of what the other teachers would think Nicodemus was a teacher. And the conversation, it wasn't a conversation, it was actually a teaching where the crowds would come in a teaching-type setting and they would call him teacher. They wanted to hear him preach. And so... There is a time, I think, for you to speak to person to people directly and, and to, quote, preach, to have the whatever, the soapbox moment, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think there's also, most of the times, I think it's about conversations. And I think if it wasn't that way, I don't know that those disciples would have followed Jesus so closely because they themselves would come after the messages and say, what did you even mean? Yeah, I had to explain it to him. And he had to have the conversations with them. And yeah. they knew that he was the guy to go to. Probably because they've been living life next to the guy and they knew just from the way he lived his life, they wouldn't leave, he wouldn't leave him completely hanging, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that speaks to the person of who Jesus was. And it also, I mean, I am not um, clearly an expert on any of this. We're all just kind of, you know, going through this life and what we have from his word through the Holy Spirit's guidance. We're just trying to do life so that we bring him some kind of glory. Lord, if you would honor us to be that vessel that you bring yourself glory through to love on people, how do we do that to the best of our abilities? I think that's truly our desire. Sometimes I can get lost in in the other stuff because it can get modeled, and the enemy Mm -hmm. loves it when it gets modeled. He'll take a truth, he'll twist it. That's how he deceives people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a lot simpler than it than it um, it seems, and the world makes it. We're gonna do something here. I we're gonna we're gonna let you go right now, but now I'm going to tease next week. Because oh. you say it, you know, he twists truth. Yeah. And there was a a section that I wanted to talk about in Mark that I, I didn't feel, I left that on purpose. And I feel it's maybe because we talk about it next week. One of those things that are we, is the culture today mm-hmm. placing the pressure on, on all believers to do this certain thing in the wrong spirit? I want to get more in depth with that next week. I hope that makes sense. That is there a pressure to live a certain style of Christianity? I'm quiet just because um, I was expecting some weird joke or some song to take us out. And oh, so man. I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised now. that you went a little deep there. And so next week, well, you, you're going to you're going to get that. And of course, if you're listening to the, if you're binge watch binge listening to these, you could just listen to it next. <laughs> you can expect that next week. And I'm going to be the one who has something. So, oh, please go ahead. No, I'm just going to say next week. Oh, next week you'll have something silly. I have to think it through. It doesn't come as naturally to me to be a (laughs) doofus. Well, here's a couple (laughs) of things that are more goofy. Uh, Morning show at KSBJ.org if you ever have a question, a comment, a topic. Um, And then also, 
Would you please leave a review, a five-star review? Because now we can say it. It's the end of the episode. Anybody who hates this podcast has dumped it by now. So <laughs> you'll leave a good review. Five stars, maybe a comment just to spread the word about the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And we love you. Thank you. We'll see you next week.